G'day punters and welcome to Inside 50. What a huge weekend of footy and the two superstars to talk about it and hopefully fight us a winner going into next weekend, Shane Crawford and Jimmy Bartel. Jimmy, your Cats and your Giants, you've got two teams and it's good that you do because each week we can say one of them's going beautifully <laughs> and unfortunately each week one of them seems to let you down. Shall we start with the positive, the Giants and their revival continuing? Everyone, they're or the everyone. Cats yeah, once again snatching defeat from the jaws of victory? <laughs> You're a funny man, Quinny, because you often know that I, I hang a, a lot of rubbish on you about how many memberships you own and... You are the biggest turncoat I've ever come across in my adult life who can swap clubs, and it's okay, Crawf, is it, when they're he a kid? He doesn't swap clubs, does he? He does. So it's okay for kids because they love to jump on a winner or no. a family member's put a new jumper or a scarf. But in the last track, Quinny had five different clubs. This is not true. Like, yeah, please yeah, can... don't tell me this. This is breaking my heart. Oh, I, I thought he was a Tiger Man. Oh, I've always been a Tiger Man. But then the Ds were rolling a couple of years ago, and I saw him. He had... Bone colour chinos. No. RM Williams. He tucked in a flannelette shirt. Aviator sunglasses. Aviator sunglasses. No. He went the slick back hair. Sort of the Gary Lyon look. And I saw him down at Land Rover trying to buy a Range Rover. No. And he bought a membership. Did and he then, have skis on the top? He, he <laughs> saved the skis. He didn't want to you know, make it too obvious. <laughs> and he had the, the D's membership. And then six months later when the D's were having that struggling year off the yep. back, he, I kept seeing him at the airport. I go, where are you going? He goes, I'm part of the Port Adelaide cheer squad. He jumped on Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide. Jack Watts went to Port Adelaide. He goes, I'm oh. part of Port Adelaide. They no. say that attack is the best form of defence, and that was a very, <laughs> very nice front foot <laughs> cover drive for four from you, James. But the West yes. Indian attack is back with more bounces, and I'm going to throw this one right. at you. The Cats, you would not trust them to walk your dog, okay? They cannot hang <laughs> on to a lead. And how on earth did they lose that game? A quarter time... You were thinking it was going to be a 10-goal job, and throughout the game, yeah, the Swannies were making a run at it, but at no stage did I genuinely think Geelong was not going to win. I'm now confused by the Cats. I, I've been sticking up for them a lot, but I've Saturday night frustrated me. I've got a someone had a little me. wager on the Cats. Oh, I, I did. Invested. I did. Invested. I did. And I try and not get too emotional when assessing a team You've got to let it go. Me. Look, you're still carrying it. You've got to move on to the next but week. But they just should have won. It's as simple yes. as that. Yeah, you're right, Quinny. You know, I think this... Uh, is part of the art of coaching with Chris Scott, uh, Matt Scarlett, Corey Enright, all the other assistant coaches there. You go through and use the coach speak. That they probably would have ticked every KPI. They did everything right apart from win the game. Now you go through it, had 60-plus inside forward 50s. They even one tackle, so you can't highlight that. Absolutely smacked the Swans in contested footy. Just couldn't convert and turned into moments. So probably for the coaching staff, as I was saying, is how do you review it? Because you, you go down to the players and you go, we actually did everything what we asked for as far as you know ticking those boxes, but you didn't win. And it just turned out the moments. It's not often we see Tom Hawkins in recent time you know, get the goal-kicking yips. They did that. The Swans executed some really big moments. And from young players, McLean, McInerney, Florent, all kicked goals in the last, if you still count, Papley is a young player, even though he's a star, all goals in the last quarter. So... The Swans took big moments late, but what they did really well is the Cats, and I've, I've said it with you guys a number of times, if you allow the opposition to mark the footy with the way the game's being played, you're easy to play against. Because of the man on the mark is irrelevant now, you take territory with those marks. They're no longer just those little backwards, sideways ones. You're taking territory, and the Cats had 42 marks in the first quarter. Big lead. For the rest of the game, Sydney only gave up 45. 
So they've dialed down. They they got the pressure. They got the game back into a contest, which allowed them to actually get back in the game and eventually win it. The Sydney Swans, they finished in 16th position in 2020. They've just kept on winning, and they've got so many good young players coming through. Yeah, and, and I think over the last few weeks, they fell away a bit. So everyone's thinking, okay, yep, they've had their run. Now they'll just sort of be uh, middle of the ground. But that... That's an enormous win for a young team to come back against a very experienced Geelong side. You know, we know Geelong are right up there. So they'll take so much confidence out of that. They're still uh, lacking, or we're still missing their superstar buddy, Franklin. So that'll be firing him up, him up on the sidelines because they win when he's not playing. So, um, so, yeah, things are looking really good. Like last year with the Swans, they were very competitive, but they just weren't winning. And you could see all these young kids having a crack. And that's all you want from young kids is just to get out and show us effort and just gradually keep on improving. And it looks like they've definitely taken that next step. So the next few years for the Swans, they're going to be right right up there again, which is great for footy because Sydney um, Swans being good in the AFL world is, is a great thing for our game. And, um, yeah, I, I just think there's so many positives. And as Jimmy said, you know, they had a lot of uh, young kids, a lot of key position players taking strong marks, getting involved. Um Papali's a superstar. I totally agree, man. He, he, I'd hate to play on him in that forward line. He just keeps moving. He's just so explosive. He hits the, the packs in front and square at such speed. It's very, very hard to defend. Um, so I feel for any small defender who has to go around running, chasing Tom Papali. But the best thing for him is everyone else is stepping up, kicking goals, and it just makes it such a dangerous forward line when you've got small forwards who really move and get themselves involved. Two quick questions, yes or no, for both of you. Was it a mark? Yes. Yes, definitely mark. Was it a free kick? Yes, it was around the neck. Oh, to Robot, well yeah. done. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, no, I think... Oh, the I side, well, that. but the thing is, it's, it's, it's the footy gods. It all works out for you because you go back to round two, what happened? Geelong take Brisbane on. Brisbane, is that dropping the ball in yes. the goal square? Yes, it was. So they go back, they win the game. Geelong get away with it. Home crowd, the umpires are like, oh, a bit itchy here. No, I'll <laughs> let that go. And it's the same, obviously, with the Sydney Swans. So it all works itself out. Like, footy's a great leveller, I think. And uh, as the season goes on, things work out. And those little things that you think should have gone your way eventually do. But it's just you need to take time and let the season play out. Question for both of you, then. Ooh. After the siren, not allowed to run around, would Cameron Ooh. have kicked the goal? No. He, he He's allowed to run around. So this is... The thing, but you've actually got to start off the line on a worse angle. Does that so if he's snapping he's got on his from the from the um, the line, the line. Yeah. so you've got to still kick. You can't from, step out though. You can't step out. But the, my question with it would be because the boundary fence is so tight at the SCG, and he was up against the point post, and now they don't allow you to you know, creep along the fence line to get open up the angle. I don't actually reckon he would have been able to get a, enough momentum to actually swing that in. Powerful kick, though. Would have been amazing, hey? Would have been awesome to watch. I just, just wanted to, to have a crack. Yeah, I just wanted the mark to see if he could kick it. Yeah. I was, when I was, there was nine seconds left. I was worried he was going to, and we will never know, he might have tried to play on in that split second before the siren oh, went as well. Siren gate. Yeah. yeah that'd be nice. <laughs> but anyway, it was a uh, talking point, that is for sure. I do think Geelong was unlucky to have not got a decision go their way at the end, but they should not have been in a position where it was Correct. even a debate. They should have had the game put to bed. Now... I've done some research. The last 25 years of data indicates that six of the eight teams currently in the top eight will go on to make the finals. So, so six what are of you these six? eight 
will get there and two won't, according to the data. So the top eight, as we speak, the undefeated Demons, one of the teams I hold a membership for, on top. The Western Bulldogs, second. The Flat Track Bullies, Port Power, third. you got third. a membership there. The Sydney Swans, fourth. Geelong has slid to fifth. Membership there. Richmond in sixth. Membership there. Brisbane, seven. Do you? West Coast, eight. And then the teams out of the eight. Fremantle, Gold Coast, GWS, Carlton, Adelaide, St Kilda, the Bombers, Hawks, Pies and Kangas. Of the teams currently in the top eight, is there one we think is vulnerable or could this year buck the trend a little bit where there will be maybe one change between now and September or potentially none? I'm just worried about West Coast injuries because they're, they're getting injuries to their key players. I know they were absolutely awesome uh, against Freo, and I bet I felt Freo was the disappointment in that game. And it was a great response from West Coast after being belted down at Geelong, but they were not going to be the last team to get belted down there, and mm-hmm. they weren't the first. But I just worry about them throughout the year because they seem to start to get going and then they lose a key player, whether it be McGovern, Yo's not back, Shuey, Kennedy... Hasn't played really full years over the last um, couple of seasons. So I just have concerns with personnel for them and whether that they'll get enough of them for long enough to make the eight. I worry about, well, I, I still think it's going to be one of those years where it's going to be that 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. They're all going to be, you know, right there at the very end um, and all very capable of making it within a game I, to go, I think. Uh, I still think the Saints could come in. They've been smashed injury-wise. Um, mentally, they're on. It's just whether or not they can um, get that inconsistency going. Paddy Ryder's a massive in for them. He gives them first use around stoppage, so we need him to be fit and playing out the whole year. Will that happen? An older-type Ruckman? Probably not. So, But i give them a chance. The Blues, if you look at the Blues, I know they're, they're fairly good against Essendon. Um they have played Brisbane. They have played uh, Port Adelaide. They've played Richmond. They've played a lot of the top sides. And they've been competitive. So I still think the Blues can come with a bit of a run against lower sides as long as they keep that work ethic going. Uh, the Sw- Sydney Swans for me is, you know, yep, they're improving. Uh, I still think, you know, there's a few question marks at times. And maybe second half of the year, younger side, Maybe, you know, they might drop a touch or two. But um, I think the thing I love about the Sydney Swans, and I have done for a long, long time, is when they became the Bloods and Brett Kirk, you just knew what you are going to get every week. You just knew you are going to get a contest, they are going to have a crack, they are going to be in games. So, And that's what I sort of get from the Sydney Swans these days. You just know they are going to be in games, they are going to be more than likely a chance to win at some stage during that game. It's just whether or not they can maintain that intensity throughout the whole year. I made the Sydney Swans my team that will rise in 2021 after they finished 16th last year. So I'm giving myself a pat on the back for that so far. Oh, no and I'm going like to preface no that by there, saying, you remember? <laughs> I don't think they'll make the finals. I think they'll be the team that will drop out. They've got a very tough five weeks coming up, as you alluded to, Croft, some of those young players coming in. They're currently fourth at the moment, but they're only a game ahead of the likes of Fremantle and two games ahead of Carlton. So I think the Swannies might drop off a little bit, and I do think the Blues and Giants, the two teams that could potentially play finals for no, that, that, that smelled like a, I'm going to win-win anyway. Like, <laughs> if they make finals, it's, it's good, but... 
if they don't, I've sort of just put the little but disclaimer. Oh, I thought they were going to drop off, but they make finals. Look at me. I tipped them. Yeah, it's like when I go on like four different radio stations and tip four different horses, and then yeah, I've smart. got four chances of getting one up. Very, very Clever. good. I'll tell you what, the Giants are going good. The Giants. Um... Jim's Giants, he wants them called now. Does he? Well, because they're winning again. <laughs> well, they were, they were pretty good against the Bulldogs last week, mm. and I thought the Bulldogs were fairly good. Yep. Um, it was just that last quarter. And and the thing is, they've got these these young kids in, young talent, and um, they they really f- carry out their roles for the team. You know, I could I watched the, against the Bulldogs, and there was a couple of defenders, and just the way that they react once the ball was released, how uh, fast they would then track back and, and find an opponent. I'm like, the mindset's perfect. So I think they're in a good little window right now. I think they've found some players, but very much team-orientated players. So I think I think they'll cause a, a, a little bit of trouble along the way. And Jim, for the first time in a long time, a lot of depth at the Giants. You've got players going back like Riccardi to the VFL <laughs> level and playing really well. And then a lot of the players coming back through injury mean that you've got some nice decisions to make at selection table. Yeah, Riccardi's been a bit out out of sorts, out of touch. That's what happens when you come as a young key forward and you, you burst on the scene. The opposition looks at you and how to play you a bit better. They're sort of working him off the line. But he went back to the VFL, had 40 touches playing down back, so that's good. But you had Harry Perryman, who, who missed with glandular fever. Lockie Whitfield, that freak um, injury out of training, which caused liver trouble. And then Jesse Hogan. He's We all know he's had his battles on and off the field, but he's come to the Giants, he's embraced it, and he was super as well. And... Braden Proust might be another one coming in the next couple of weeks. Now, you speak about playing in the VFL, and last week you discussed the upside for young players, maybe getting a taste of AFL footy, then going back to find confidence, form, and just continuing to grow as a player in VFL level before coming back to play AFL. We know that sometimes these young kids can be a little bit temperamental. Is there a bit of a balancing act between sending them back and not upsetting them and keeping them happy, or is that something that the club just doesn't entertain the thought of? No, I, I get that, and especially for the four northern clubs. If you take a kid from Victoria or South Australia, Western Australia, as soon as a player gets omitted, everyone's like, oh, let's get him back home. But it's good for their development, and that's what you've got to focus on as a, as a footy club. You can't stress too much about, well, will they leave if you play them in the twos? You've got to do what's best for the club, their development, um, those words, selection integrity. You can't just play a, a player because you're worried about him in going back home. But it was good for Riccardi in particular because he wasn't winning much of the ball, which takes a bit of your confidence. He wasn't getting to as many uh, contests as he normally would. Goes back, plays down back, which forces you into a contest. You can't avoid the contest if you're playing down back. And he really shone and embraced that role. And yeah, 40 touches from the half-back line is pretty damn good. No, it's absolutely superb. And then you've got a nice problem when he comes back in. Where do you play him? Yeah, that's right. And he's probably showing he can add a string to the bow and it'll help him stay at AFL level because then you're picking him going, well, we can play him as a back depending on matchups, play him forward if you want to stretch the opposition, pinch hit in the ruck. So you actually become a more valuable commodity. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for tap account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. I reckon when you get dropped, it's it's about attitude, you know. So you want to see what type of attitude, you know, are they still professional the way they attack playing in the reserves or in the VFL? 
And um, it's not necessarily, yep, are they the best player out there? It's like, did he go back with the right attitude? Did he fulfil the roles that he was giving? given? And I think you can get a great deal from a lot of players that actually go back down and, and just get the job done, lock in, and away they go. There's so much you can get out of it. Um, and then you do have players who are a bit precious. Oh, I don't belong in the reserves. I shouldn't be here. And then they have a, a couple of games where it's just, you know, feeling sorry with the world and everything's against me. Um, but you, you do respect those guys who just go back and get on with it. Let's go. It's a game of footy. Let's attack the footy. Let's get the team a win. Let's help each other. When you were captain of Hawthorne, were you involved in the selection panel? No, and I didn't want to be. Um, no. Uh, they've got you know, their mindset on what they want to do and how they go about it. We were asked many times, and especially as leadership groups, you get asked, we're thinking about this or we want to do this. But, um, you know, I suppose when your coach is really headstrong and um, and knows what they want, um, they're going to find a way to bring that player in. Sometimes we've asked for players because I reckon a lot of the times Blue-collar workers is just just as important as, um, you know, your stars because you know you get real consistency with them getting down low, putting their head over the footy, flicking it out. They're doing that every every time. And not only that, the opposition get it, they're at them putting pressure on. So, um, you know, there was times where we actually asked for players who you just knew you were going to get 100% effort 100% of the time because you, you need them. Every side's got them. Um, they're very underrated, but they're not underrated from you know, some of the better players because they know how important it is at setting things up, your structure and and the way that you attack things. The more they attack pressure, um, you know, get in the grill of someone, that allows you to hopefully, you know, do your thing and, and your, your other sort of players who can use the ball a bit better around stoppages. So it's really important. Speaking of pressure, it is building. <sighs> Collingwood. For the Collingwood Football Club. Oh, my goodness. If they lose to North Melbourne this week, and I think there is a big chance that they will. Are you going to back them? Well, I should have taken the $4, and I didn't. They're now $3 and 5 North. I might have a little bet on them. I think think they would win this game more than one in three times. So, therefore, there's still a bit of value. Do we anticipate the Pies will steady the ship and beat North, or the way Collingwood is playing... And Jimmy Bartell, I heard you break down on radio exactly how poor they were on the weekend. Not just what they did when they had the footy, but more alarmingly what they did or didn't do when the opposition had the pill. Yeah, that was the disappointing thing for me, Quinny, is when, obviously you have forward scouts or you plan for the opposition. And clearly when you see the Gold Coast in their entire history, but especially under Stuart Chew, they're a short kicking side. They're 18th for long kicks. They don't kick the ball long down the line. They go short and they try and stretch the field. So they try and make you make a decision. If you go with us out to the boundary line, we'll try and hit you up to the middle. If you don't, we've got enough speed and kicking ability to go around you. So you know Gold Coast play that way. So when I see the first five minutes and I was live at that game, and Porto, uh, sorry, Gold Coast, again, that stat that I keep bringing up, have 46 marks in the, in the first quarter, 146 for the game. It is far too easy to play against. And so it's either on forward scouting, Coaching and players, and I reckon it's all all three. And that's what I saw on the weekend. So first five minutes, the alarm bell should have been ringing and the runner should have been down there going, squeeze up. So like I'm saying, Gold Coast never take the ball off a slow one. So imagine a halfback flank. They don't go off the mark and kick it long down the line. That's the very, very last resort, and they prefer not to do that even then. They'll still try and find another short one. So in the first five minutes, when Gold Coast had a slow turnover, a mark or a free kick, 
I'm saying Collingwood's rucks, midfielders, all just put their head down, start trotting 50 to 60 metres down the line. Oh, it's going to come long down the line, we'll play a contest. So what are you guys doing? Gold Coast, bang, short, on the 45 or bridge kick, different thing. Ran the, ran the outside down the wing and just time after time. Just kept doing it, kept doing it in the first quarter. And you're going, where's the planning? Or you should have been, the instruction during the week or five minutes in the game or quarter time is, Mids, just get up. 25, 30 metres away from the kicker, take everything out. Not give one or two metres, but they'll 20 metres off. Just close it out. Forwards, if you don't have the ball, at worst, get up and just stand it, block the middle of the ground or find a direct one. But first, just block the middle of the ground. Make Gold Coast do something that they don't want to do. So how does that happen? Is it the coaching didn't identify this it's or all the players three. didn't execute? Would yeah. they have gone surely, in with that message? Surely it was identified. Um I, th- I think, well, I was worried about the Pies against, everyone's going, oh, the Pies are playing at home, MCG against the Gold Coast Suns, and I'm like, that's not good. I said, that's that's not ideal. The Suns are much better than we give them credit for, and they move, and they run. You yeah, know? you so, said that last week. So, they got speed. So I'm like, oh, that's not a good recipe. Um, but I think the biggest thing, like Collingwood, we know when Collingwood get the footy, they can move the footy reasonably well. We know that they, you know, they can actually move the ball, get it inside 50. You know, at times they have struggled with that last kick, but they know how to attack when they need to attack when there's a bit of space. They they need to work defensively, you know, and, and it's an attitude thing. And, and we spoke about Scott Pendlebury last week. Um, how many times do you see him coming in, laying a tackle, pressuring? Nah, he's always on the end. And I know everyone's got certain roles, but in a game of footy these days, everyone has to Dustin Martin, when he's on, he's in the face of the opposition, terrorising him, trying to get the ball back. So everyone has to do that in your team. At the moment, Collingwood aren't working very hard, um, you know, when the opposition have got the footy. They're relying on too few, you know. Cripps will be in there putting a bit of pressure on and, you know, Grundy's pretty good at putting a bit of pressure on, but where's everyone else? So... That is a massive problem for them right now. For them to start the match, a match where their season was on the line like they did against the Gold Coast with a, you know, a mental blank where they, they didn't set up right and they weren't pressuring the opposition. Um, and then to not have that defensive pressure. And it's not something you can flick. It's something you've got to go, okay, training this week, we're just going to concentrate on making sure we sit up really well and we get up in the grill of the opposition. Don't worry about trying to move the ball well. We already know how to do that. They need to switch on as a team. And the problem from now is they're one and six. Everyone's gone into survival mode. And I've been a part of a club for a, a long time where uh, we had a few years where we were no good. So you, you, you start thinking about, okay, just get out and just try your very best. You go away from thinking about it's all about us and the team because you've got a lot of players who are just scraping to be in your side. So they think about, shit, I've just got to get a touch and keep, you know, keep getting a game every week. Um, so all of a sudden you have huge breakdowns. So no matter how good of a coach you are, um, once you get to this position that he's now in, it, it just unravels. And it unravels really fast. No matter how many systems you got, uh, it's because of the players. And, and this is really going to test us or, or see whether or not Nathan Buckley's that coach that we think he is. We think he's a good coach. Can he somehow find a way for them to put the team first when their attitude right now is thinking, I better play well. I better, I better just show that I'm doing my bit. 
So you you think North Melbourne's a chance? Yep. If North Melbourne win, do you think they make the decision straight away on Nathan Buckley? Because they've said and he said adamantly, it's not going any decision's not going to happen, good or bad, until later in the year. Do you reckon that timeline comes up? Uh, I think this just don't know. I think this week, if they lose this week to North, there'll be a decision. Do you? It has to, it has to be because um, you got a side who hasn't won a game all year in North Melbourne. You know they've they've said, oh, we're you know we're trying to develop, and then you've got a side who we were thinking could make the finals. You know we think I still think Collingwood at their very best are a reasonably good side, but. Something is massively missing. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. But the question was, will they make a move? Now, if it was in the mid-90s, absolutely 100% if they lost, he'd be gone by Monday morning. But teams seem to be sticking with their coaches and trying to ease them out more than they have historically. Well, well that leads to my question, Croft. How many – well, a couple of questions. How many coaches did you have in your time at Hawthorne? I had about five. I had Alan Joyce. We had Peter Knights, Ken Judge, Peter Swab. And Clarko. And Clarko. And any of them get sacked during the season? Yeah, we, we had uh, Peter Swab sacked during the year. And did it benefit anyone sacking him during the year? Was it uh, uh, was the club different? Were they better off? No, we we were we were a mess. It was two thousand and four. Uh, two thousand and four. Yeah, so we we were a mess. And in fairness to Swabby, Swabby was I really enjoyed Swabby, but um, we virtually had a, a reserve side running out. Um, we had a lot of injuries, and we just didn't have the talent and the depth of the list that was required. And, and you know, I, I think it was virtually, he's like, I, I think that's, I can't do any more. I've tried my very best. So it was virtually that type of agreement. I remember going to training the next morning and the media go, oh, how do you feel about your coach, you know, being sacked, not being around? And I, I had no idea. And I asked the captain at the time and I said, oh, that doesn't surprise me, you know, with, you know, how we go at the moment. Everything's just a joke. And um, and that didn't go down too well, which uh, which is fair enough. So too, what, the board called you in and said, why is the captain of the club making these sort of absolutely, comments? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And, and what I did you said, say? I said, because we're a joke. I said, I'm the captain of the football club, and I didn't even know the coach had been sacked, yet he'd been sacked the day before. I said, what the F's going on? I said, this is a disgrace. So that that's when I decided I need to get out of this joint as well, because it's this, <laughs> this ship has sunk. Um, but um, thankfully... We hung in there and we were able to turn it around, but it took a lot of years of, you know, just slowly chipping away and, and adding layers and layers to the footy club. But we, we were just lost, very, very lost as a football club. So the, re- the reason why I ask that is if you move up the timeline on Nathan Buckley, it's only because you think the good of moving him on completely and utterly outweighs the decision not to do it at the end of the year. So what, I, what I'm saying is you've got a host of young players wouldn't you want Nathan Buckley, who's a good football mind, even if you say to Bucks, look, we, we might wind it up at the end of the year, but we'd love you to do this. He doesn't want to do that, does well, he? Well, Tony Shaw did it really well when he was at yeah. Collingwood. Yeah, you've got to be respectful. Like He's been an absolute champion for that football club. You know, but He might be. He might know. I think reading between the lines, even going into the season, he sort of was entertaining the thought that if things don't go to plan, this could be his last season. Yeah, but wouldn't he get even more credits in the bank if he, if he wants to continue to be a senior coach as we know he is he's a class act he he brings on the young players he, he gives them even more freedom because you know he's been charged with that you know we've got to see him we've got to see him play free yep. the results don't matter come I, the final round of the season will Buckley be still coaching Collingwood yes or no 
I think yes. I think they're just gonna they're gonna. I don't see at this stage the absolute benefit of giving him the bullet now. And what you you put us an assistant coach in that is already part of that system anyway. Yeah. He, um, I reckon they'll win this week. So, you know, and then I reckon they're capable of winning, you know, a fair few matches towards the end of the year. They've still got to play sides like Brisbane Lions. They play Port Adelaide twice. They haven't even come up against Port Adelaide yet. They've still got to play Geelong. They've got to play Melbourne. So they've still got some, some tough games to come, which is not ideal, especially when you're a bit out of form. But Collingwood have problems. We've known off the field they've had problems. From all reports now, there's still a lot of rumblings behind scenes, you know, even with the president stepping away, there's still a lot mm. going on behind the scenes. It's not, you know, there's a lot of squeaky doors going on, which is not great. <laughs> there's no real harmony. And then obviously when the side's not doing well, it just becomes, it becomes a real mishmash. So, you know, this is, this is showing signs of Hawthorne 204. Like it, it really is because off the field, a little bit lost, um, on the field, a little bit lost. Um, it, it, Seems like, yep, it needs a full makeover. It really does. You know, recruiting-wise, a little bit mess, a little bit of a mess. So everywhere you look, there's been, unfortunately, um, it's a bit messy. But financially, the club's in a good position. So that that's a tick. Uh, but in every other direction, it's not so good. And then, let's not forget um, their finals over the last few years. Yes, they've made finals. Well done. Yeah, they had a good win against West Coast last year. But what happened the week later against Geelong? They were embarrassed. They got wiped off the park. Torched. What happened the year before? The MCG, they came off a break to make a grand final. They got beaten by the Giants, who were wounded. That was, yeah, you know, nearly, so you can't, I can't hold that prelim against them too much. They only lost by a goal or something, and they no, lost the yes, grand you final can, the year because before they were, by a they few were massive favourites. The Giants were wounded. They played against Richmond the following week. They were a wounded side. Collingwood should have never lost Grundy that. Grundy had so, two and a half thousand hitouts that night. Yeah. So that they look like a flat side. So something's something's not right. So they get to the finals, and. They're losing in a manner that you don't want to lose. So, and then obviously the flow on to this year, um, where the season hasn't gone so well. You know, ten years is a long time to be a coach. Yeah. I just think he's run his race. So he's done a pretty good job over ten years, and it's time for change. It's all Dom Sheed's fault. That's really that's that's what's wrong. It's pretty much that that perfect play. <laughs> it's very rare you get a perfect play from one end to the other, and they had that perfect play in the last minute of a match. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. That is, yeah. You, you win a flag, it. you probably go into the prelim, you're full of confidence. Yep. Maybe another grand final. And this year it'd be just teething. Or, you know, read it. You'd have whatever they wanted to do this year would be fine. But, Crawf, what's what, round so, so let's the talk about. Start? Let's talk about Nathan Buckley. Nathan Buckley won the Rising Star at the Lions. He said, right, I'm going to go to Collingwood. Goes to Collingwood. Plays in grand finals, doesn't win them. Brisbane win three in a row. Then, from a coaching point of view, as part of that, it takes the handover from Mick Mouldhouse, just misses out. It's He's just on the edge, mm. isn't he? Every few years, he's on the edge of just that crowning glory. He'll coach another AFL club. And I, I know deep down he said, oh, that doesn't define me, but he, he's just a super-driven individual. You, you know that that's it. That's the ultimate. He's got to get there, and he's got to find a way to get there. So it'd, it'd be a very, very tough time for him right now to be trying to work out in his head, where's everything going? What are we trying to do? But, you know, it, it's an interesting time. 
I'd like to see him have a year away from football and come back and clo- uh, coach a team from 2023. But the big question is, Croft, at what round of the rumours start? Jimmy Bartel to coach Collingwood. <laughs> well, probably. Idiot. It's already started, I thought. I thought it uh, uh, started a few uh, weeks ago. Actually, he'd be very good, wouldn't he? How many rounds? What type in? of game style would you oh, go well, with? How many rounds? <laughs> you were like every second round last year, you eggs. Well, did you notice that the Giants were struggling? They, as soon as the uh, the COVID lifted a bit, they chucked him on a plane, yep. went up there, bang, the very next week, <laughs> win, win, you know, and now they're on a roll again. So I get it. I totally understand it. Um, it's not noise, it's real. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tabacan customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Do you think you'll coach an AFL team? What? I'm not even in a coaching Answer panel. the question. Well, I did. I'm not even on a coaching Doesn't panel. Doesn't answer the question. And well, you're a young man still. You've got another 30 years in football left. I hope not. <laughs> you hope you don't have 30 years. <laughs> no. Do you think you'll be an AFL coach at some stage? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I think so. I think you'd be great. And I, I appreciate think the feedback. I think with every year that you're out of the game, you get a little hungrier to get back involved. I do have – actually, I'll answer this seriously for a change. I do have moments where I go along to the football and I actually even say to people around me, days like today, I wish I was a coach. So, like, when I'm watching Collingwood Gold Coast, and as I spoke about it there, there are days like that where I wish I was a coach. But you could have an impact on what you're seeing. And not only that, coaching – like – to coach a group or a team who are so driven, so motivated, mm. wanting to get better, that listen and will do as you say, uh, that's pretty special to be able to have something like that, you know? You know what's going to hurt you getting a head coaching job? The fact that AFL teams now are too conservative. If this was the NBA, someone would roll the dice no, and well, give you a crack. But now you've got to do, it in the well, eyes of these clubs, a five-year yes. apprenticeship across two different clubs at yeah, well, assistant well, level. That's right. But North Melbourne have done that. How's that going? A couple of, da- a couple of games in, they've said, oh, we're totally rebuilding now. Oh, I, I'm not so, saying it's a good like, idea at all. We, we just, we are sheep. We play follow the yeah, leader in this exactly. game. It's a disgrace. It is. Just be brave as a board. Pick the best person for that job, even if you think they're a little inexperienced. Bring someone in who can actually be a mentor in some way that they connect with. A lot of these clubs have got it wrong because they've brought in mentors that they clash with and mentors who still want to be coaches. Yeah. You know, like um, I'll go to Box Hill at the moment. Sam Mitchell's coaching Box Hill. Sam Mitchell's brought in Andy Collins, who's been a wonderful VFL coach, you know, and, and Andy's got – Totally different philosophies, but he's brought him in because he's like, I need you because you're a bit different to me, you know, and which is just smart. I know that's that's VFL, but in the AFL world, you're the coach. Who do you want to bring in to be your mentor? You've got to allow them to have input into who their mentor is. Don't just throw someone in and say they're going to oversee and help and try and guide you when you're going to clash the whole time. That doesn't work. It hasn't worked with Bucks. Didn't work at uh, the Blues there for a little while. Didn't work at Hawthorne. Peter Swab brought in David Parkin. Um, yes, they got along, but 
you know, they had different philosophies and the different ways that they would do things. Why isn't Andy Collins spoken about more? And I'm glad you, you raised his name. Why isn't he spoken about more when we do the whole coaching merry-go-round? Because we've seen... He should be coaching yeah, AFL side. Yeah, because... It's just, he's, he's, I don't know, they just go, there was a... Like Fagan, Noble, all senior, we're sort of now going back to the the wise head who've seen all football. He's coached VFL clubs, he's coached affiliate clubs, he's, which he's is a, a school difficult. teacher as well. Um, you know, he's 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 been on AFL lists as a an assistant coach. I I don't know. We just we just want a new shiny name. That's what happens. But like he would be top of my list if I was trying to consider. If you want someone who used to play with a hard edge, he coaches with a hard edge. He's a bit different, but he's also can be extremely understanding. But at the end of the day, this is your job. This is what you got to do. That's that's what a lot of teams need, you know. And and these days, I think the communication is all nice. We're very nice a lot of the time, and even when we need to get a bit hard, we're still pretty nice, you know. Nick Quinn, mate, Quinny, I need you to. Put your body on the line. I need you to actually spoil the ball, bring it down forward. Whereas sometimes you need that fed a different way and sometimes you need to be looked in the eye and say, it's not good enough, mate. This is the way it's got to happen. You're not doing it. If you don't do it, I've got to drop you. I can't play you. you know. So I just think yeah, I just think there's a lot of players out there who have been in the system for a long time. They've done a lot of coaching. They'd be amazing. Even as mentors on an AFL list, I'm like, you know, I'd be very surprised if Sam Metro goes on to coach somewhere. He, he he would take him with him because he knows it's that balance with everyone having sort of some kind of input and really, you know, like a like a puzzle, just connecting and making it all work. It's a team. I like it, and I like the fact that we've made a little bit of inroad in getting Jimmy into the coaching box. I think that's what we want to see. From a mentor point of view, if if you could say, okay, I'm going to go coach. <laughs> But I would love this guy to be with me as and, a mentor. And I'll throw a question. And it doesn't have. It's, it can't no. be. Oh, he's my best mate. Um, if it's the like wheels didn't fall off his personal life, would Bomber Thompson have been a good one for that role? Yeah, he knows the game unbelievably well. Sees it better than most. He knows what stands up in big games. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate during my time that not only had Bomber Thompson as a senior coach, but our assistant coach is Ken Hinckley. Unbelievable attacking mind, going pretty well at Port Adelaide. Brendan McCartney ended up being a senior coach. Bretton Sanderson ended up being a, a senior coach. And we had Lee Tudor, who's being, he's been a career assistant coach to everyone for the last 25 years. Uh, Nigel Lappin, Brisbane champion. So we had some unbelievable assistant coaches. And what Bomber did really well was he just coached the coaches really, really hard. So, a, for example, Kenny, um, you're in charge of attack. You know, I'll give you full reign, you know, that empowerment sort of stuff. But if the attack was playing up, he'd coach Kenny really hard. Going, What's going on here? Do I need to get involved? And it's just that man management skill that he had as well. Like you, you think of players like uh, Gary Ayres, you know, wh- why couldn't he be an incredible mentor? Mm. You know, which um, Mick McGuan. I think Mick yeah. McGuan would be great, great to have. Game. Yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes, I, I don't know why. They're just not fashionable in the eyes of these people, the media and no, the clubs, and, and they I'm don't like, get the opportunity. You know what is fashionable? When you win. Yeah. And Ayers I, I reckon... have done that everywhere you, they've gone. You win when you have those type of people involved. And, and they're just a few we're throwing up. There's so many out there. And the three that you've mentioned, Collins, Ayers, McGuan, what works against them is age. And in the not, eyes of these clubs, they're not seen Well, they're not sharp. in the system, like uh, the official system. They're not sitting... Saturday in the coach's box of an AFL club. There we go. I think we've solved a few problems here. Get us on the board at GWS, Jim. 
Well, you got to buy a membership. It's about one of the few clubs you don't own a membership to. No wonder your wallet's so big. It's all those multis. <laughs> Very good. Now, before we end the weekend with a bang and find a couple of winners over the course of round eight, we're going to focus on some feedback we had to the show last week. Oh, feedback. We asked for some suggestions. We want to get back in the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, no. And we've had some great ideas. Here's some of the suggestions for Crawf that we had. <laughs> no, there's meant to be a team record, isn't Okay, it, it could be a team. <laughs> Stephen White texted in saying, Lindsay Lindbergh from Austin, Texas, better known as Mamlu, set her world record by crushing eight apples with her bicep. Can you guys have a crack? Eight oh. apples? No, not with my biceps. No way. Moment. No way. Um, eight uh, apples. I wonder what type of apples. Granny Smith? I'm not sure. It'd have to be the little ones, I reckon. Kate Goodridge, terrific horse trainer and a terrific idea. The highest jump on a pogo stick is 11.5 feet. Can you guys give this a crack? I've got no chance. I'm more worried about where you have to launch off first to get that first <laughs> doing, 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 doing. Yeah, trampoline. That's, yeah, that's, only, that's a disaster for me. But that's, I think, a, that's a broken ankle or arm. I think we've found the winner. Not dissimilar to one that Croft's already done. Uh, Georgia texted in saying, the record for bees on a human face is 88. Yeah, can, we can we attempt it? I'm allergic to bees. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are not. I am. No, no, no. I am. No. I'm allergic to bees. No. So if you want me to have a crack, I would do oh, that for you. I don't know if we can do that health and safety-wise. Yeah. Your face would be like after you had the goggles on. Well, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Who needs the Botox when you just chuck the bees on there? I did find the photo as well with the goggles on as well. But if you're allergic to bees, this is going to be a problem because we couldn't ensure you to do if you're allergic, and God knows how much it would cost us to insure Jimmy Bartel's face, well, so I, know, look I at might that. be up then to do the bees on the face. <laughs> That's right. I, I think with all that Botox Jimmy's had as well, you know, <laughs> yeah, the I bees might stick be. forever. <laughs> see so see that photo? The photo? That photo has gone around the world in the Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> Show it to the camera. Have a look at this. This I'm so proud. My kids are so proud of their dad breaking a Guinness World Record. And this photo has gone around the world. Can you believe it? Have a look at that. I can't believe it. It's just... And the certificate. It just it reads beautifully as well. It looks so formal. <laughs> you read crazy. the OP line. Where do you get those certificates? <laughs> well, the it, most it, swimming goggles put you can have on in one want. minute. They're, they're not in the bathroom. Hey? They're not in the... No, they're they're in a story, but I'm thinking of I'm thinking of putting him somewhere. Maybe I'll put him in. Can here. Yeah, I we'll might put him behind us. Actually, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. You, you bring you find your Brownlow and bring it in, and you find your Guinness Book of Records and put it in, uh, and I'll bring in my hair gel. We can have everything that's made us famous. <laughs> so there we go. Keep the suggestions coming. We do want okay. to have a crack. We, we, we've got to get a team one happening. That, right. That's the, yeah. the thing. There's three of us. Okay, how can we actually work as a team to try and create that record? Is there a world record of how many different colours we can dye someone's hair? You made that 45? joke last week. <laughs> no, but could, I reckon we could get about six or seven different colours through there. All right. That might be one. We'll look into that. Yeah, you've already got... What is that white and grey in there? <laughs> That's enough. That's enough from you. That is enough from you. All right, let's turn our attention to this weekend. We want a best bet and a best multi from everyone. I'll start. The Tigers to knock off the Cats in Friday night footy. Oh, they were good, weren't they? Richmond the back in town, $1.60. I'm still filthy with the Cats, and I'll tip emotionally against them this week. Well, what's the line in the showdown? Because we've got the big showdown, and no matter where they are on the ladder, they're very, very close to those games. But I actually do think Port Adelaide will be smarting from a... 
That was a, a very ordinary loss. I a know the lackluster lo- performance. Yeah, the, the Lions were fantastic, but I think the pair will be um, up and about. I think they'll win by about five or six goals into the Ds. You're on my demons against the Swannies. Every team's your team, but um, <laughs> I, I thought that was just super professional. I know we, we've highlighted how good North Melbourne were, but you think about it, they lose Tomlinson early with a knee. They've had some injury concerns as well, Melbourne. And North Melbourne coming out, they go down there, they still win by five to six goals. Yep. Well, that's uh, just professional. It's a new Melbourne in 2021, that's for sure. The line is 29.5 at time of recording between Port Power and Adelaide. Well, I said five the goals, there you go. Saturday night. I tell you, I'm really looking forward to this game being done so I don't have to hear any more about those bloody jumpers. I'm sick to death of that. No one cares. Nah. Nobody cares. Just let them wear it. Yep. It's a showdown. Yep. Who cares? No, well, once do, a year, let them go. Do, do you know what they do? Yeah. Those two just go sort it out with the AFL and just ke- tell everyone the result. Yeah. The just, AFL, just, just, just tell let the them wear it. It's what? once a year. Yeah, it's it's like, about the history of that, that club. Collingwood's won one game, and this is what they're getting their knickers in a well, knockover. That's the problem. Yeah. Maybe they're focus, focusing on other things. I like Port Adelaide to win, just back them to win. Um, I know it's not great odds, but... Dollar twenty, good run for the multi. Well, not really, but I just think they'll win. They'll they'll win, um, and I think with what's happened with Frank Costa, um, you know Sam Newman, a lot of Geelong club greats. I reckon they'll be up and about this week um, against the Tigers. So I reckon we'll see a real sort of emotional game from the the Cats. So I think the Cats can win, um, and Guthrie twenty five plus possessions. I just think. He'll sort of get his own way in the middle. He's a running machine. I reckon he'll, as long as he plays the whole game, he'll definitely give you 25-plus possessions. And I think the Cats can win in an upset. Well, there we go. The Cats to get the job done. Now, I've got a $67 winner for you both. And before you respond, I want you to count to three and think. The Brownlow medal in 2021 to go to... Human Cluggage. How did you know that? Did you know I was going to say human cluggage? Because the $67 sort of gave it away. I know a lot of people who just keep keeping an eye on him. The only issue for human cluggage and what helps you get votes, and I remember playing against uh, this man and when he absolutely smashed the Cats one day at the MCG where he kicked five. If you're going to win it from the midfield, they love ones who hit the scoreboard. Uh, his goal kicking is atrocious. Atrocious it's, at the moment. It was it was terrible last, last year. year. Remember, I think he was he, he was going zipping ten at one stage or something like that. It's like come on, but yeah, you're right. You got to kick some goals. But the other thing you'll Lockie hurt him Neal, is a lot of players sort of have that breakout year and then win it the next year. Like a lot of times, we'll see. How'd he go Lockie last Neal, year? He polled pretty well last year, but then Lockie Neal took a lot of the votes, which mm-hmm. won't be the case here. But we see a lot of players win it on the back of having a big year. I mean, Gary Ablett Jr. shot onto the scene the year you won it, and then we saw Gary go on and win one himself. Lockie Neal did something very similar when he shot onto the scene at big odds, and he was 5,000 to 1, got into as short as $11. Didn't win it that year, but won it three years later at a different club. So that might be the negative for McCluggage. But I think if you take the 67, yep. you'll have fun on Brownlow night because he could potentially have got six votes the last two weeks and got the three votes against Collingwood earlier on in the season. So if he's on nine now, he'll be somewhere in the hunt. They're a worse bet yeah. at the odds. And Lockie Neal obviously hasn't had the season. He's been a little bit injured. He's now out. Um, Zorko's the other one who can take votes off floating through the middle, but he's not... He's not sort of where he he has been over you know a couple of years ago. So 
you know, it, it all makes sense. It all makes very good sense. It's a nice little bet. Um, he should be, what's he into now? Is he still 67-1? Get on. Get on early to avoid disappointment. I'm a little concerned Jim knew what I was going to say, though. He can read my mind. That He's could probably be dangerous already after him. hours. He's probably already backed him. Although, he, yeah. Uh, Ollie Wines is the other one. Yeah. You know, he had another good game on the weekend. He's averaging 30 touches. He gets the footy. He gets in, and he's a big, strong boy. So it's not as though you can't see him out on the mm. field. You know he's doing a lot of the bulletin work, and I think that's important. Well, it's been important chatting to you, gents. It's been great fun, as per usual. Looking forward to doing that again next week. And punters, you've been listening to Inside 50. That winter chill is right around the corner, but the AFL is only heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal kicker and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.